There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So all I can tell you is this uh, Idalia, this storm that's barreling towards Florida, is expected to reach a Category 3 before it makes landfall. And you keep getting different stories. The AccuWeather forecasters are urging anybody in the path of this hurricane to take the storm seriously. Now, who wouldn't be taking the storm seriously? If you live in Florida, you know, this is something that we deal with all the time. It's not surprising to me that people are, uh, you know, just having a tough time thinking about how this is going to work for them. But it, it is it is stronger. I do have a sister-in-law and brother-in-law in Tampa. And periodically it tells me it'll be north of Tampa. And then today, again, it looks as though Tampa is well within the uh, hurricane. So we pray for everybody in Tampa Bay. It looks like tomorrow morning will be where the impact is felt. I'm hoping I'm going to still claim that it's going to it's going to be north of Tampa because there's such a large population there and that Tampa will have storm surges and all the rest of it looks as though Jacksonville is in the eye of the storm believe it or not and then of course Savannah Georgia Wilmington and Virginia Beach are all looking like they're going to get hit and it could be a, a four or a five once it starts going over land But for those of you in my listening audience, we escaped this one. Even on the West Coast in Fort Myers, it's just going to be the outer bands. And that's all I can do. You know, once, you know, the, the, how do you call it? The uh, AccuWeather forces said this is a once in a lifetime event. And they're not even predicting just how bad this is going to be, which is a terrible sign. It may track into the Apalachee Bay, which is an inlet that's part of uh, the whole state's big bend. And of course, uh, we'll keep you informed as much as we know. But we're looking at storm surges near Port Charlotte and Olockney Bay, and perhaps as high as 15 feet. I can't even wrap my mind around that. So hopefully everyone is prepared. If you know anybody on the West Coast who hasn't been told to evacuate and they didn't, you need to call them up and tell them, pay attention. These things don't have to involve a lot of death if we uh, just pay attention. But I'll tell you the storm uh, in my head for the last two days. I get these releases, these press releases from the Department of Defense. And I got one today that just really upset me very much, but I still haven't talked about the one I got yesterday, 
which really tells you everything you need to know about our preparedness in the military. Because apparently the most important thing that uh, Secretary Austin and his staff has come up with is they are going to do a survey, 2023 Workplace and Gender Relations Survey, because they estimate the prevalence of sexual assault, sexual harassment, and gender discrimination in the military is in big, big numbers. So really, I don't know. I, I mean, is it any worse than it is anywhere else? Do we know that there's sexual harassment and sexual assaults going on in every country, but we concern ourselves mostly with what goes on in our country? But what is this gender discrimination in the military? Every time I turn around, there's another woman who's in a position of leadership. Now there's transgendered women in positions of leadership. And I have to get one thing straight because I've never really quite figured this out or figured it out. If you are changing your gender from a male to a female, are you a transgendered female or are you a transgendered male? I just don't understand. Because if you have become one thing, can we just like drop the, uh, the term transgendered as it applies to the thing you became? I don't know. It's, you know why it's so confusing? Because everybody promoting it are so confused. This biannual, apparently twice a year they collect this data. This biannual survey helps the leadership in the Department of Defense improve and develop policies and programs that better support service members. So in other words, they are really concerned about these items. They're not that concerned about whether or not the roughly 770,000 active duty soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, guardians, and Coast Guard members, and about 260,000 members of the National Guard and reserve components, they're not that concerned about whether they have the weapons they need, whether they've been trained as they should have been trained. No, no, no. They are more concerned about whether or not they feel victimized either by uh, gender blah, 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 discrimination, or by some kind of fantasy of what con constitutes sexual assault and sexual harassment. Because I think those terms are really very loosey-goosey these days, and I don't know. It, are you being sexually harassed if someone tells you you have a beautiful behind? I think so. That's what they're saying. And by the way, just in case anybody out there was considering paying me a compliment as to my physical looks, maybe if you saw me on Saturday night at the Judge Janine, feel free. I do not consider that sexual harassment. I mean, obviously, I don't want you to touch me or anything of that nature. But if you want to say, gosh, you, 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 know, you look great, you know, how are you maintaining your weight, whatever, anything like that, I will, and you're a man, feel free. I, I will not consider that sexual harassment. And we'll get a lot of it these days. Probably that's why I don't. <laughs> but for real, we have become so overly sensitive. And then right away, the survey, who, uh, this is confidential. Your data will be reported in the aggregate and no individual data will be reported. So in other words, if you say, yes, I've experienced sexual harassment, you know, my commander 
has uh, been inappropriate with me or touched me in a way that made me feel uncomfortable, they're not going to tell you, Commander, that they know. Does that make any sense? I, I, I just, I don't get it. I've never gotten it. I don't understand how surveys about highly personal things that we don't really understand, like gender dysphoria, how those things make policy. It doesn't make sense to me. Perhaps what we need is to get honest with ourselves about what really constitutes sexual assault. And whenever it is reported, we are going to take it seriously. That's all. So today I'm watching as the media goes ballistic because that mugshot just didn't turn out the way they planned. In other words, they were hoping it would cause so much damage that Donald Trump would leave the race. And that's not what happened. As a matter of fact, he is continuing to raise megabucks on that mugshot, which was the last effort by the left to humiliate Donald Trump and hopefully they thought make him pull out of the race. This, this man faces up to six separate trials during the primary season. Be careful what you ask for. Okay, that's all I'm going to say to the left. Because these legal woes that you are so thrilled about, they are helping him to stay in the public's eye and raising a lot of questions as to why there's a two-tier system of justice in this country. Yes, people are concerned about whether or not they're going to have to perhaps vote for a person who's in prison. But let's face it, nobody's putting Donald Trump in prison. It's just not going to happen. I know, oh, he's got penalties as long as 20 years and 600 years. I hear all those numbers being thrown around, right? This is the first ever criminal indictment against a current or former uh, president. And now they're going to begin trials in March in Manhattan. Um, The Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, he is going to have the first, whatever you call it, uh, shot at the ring. And then we're going to have an April 4th arraignment and... No, we had an April 4th arraignment, so they plan to, t- to take it to court in March of next year. In May of next year, the handling of classified documents case, that's going to have first appearance in January, and then they're scheduled to start as the president is in the heated part of a, literally, a primary battle. The trial date falls nearly after all the 2024 primaries have been completed, but before they've announced the presidential nominee, because that happens at the convention in July. Now, it's a fundamental right for a defendant to be present at their trial. They can't say, oh, I'm too busy to come to court because I'm running for president. Then he has another federal trial over allegations brought by the E. Jean Carroll, And then he faces off with New York State's top prosecutor in Manhattan State Court 
and then on and on and on and on. So if he has to be present at every one of these cases, and he does, they have successfully made it virtually impossible for him to conduct a campaign in the manner that Donald Trump likes to conduct it. So they're going to have to get very clever, and I know they will. You're going to have to have a, a number of surrogates who are going to be able to present his case for him. I think one of those surrogates is going to be on my show at 3.30. I'm not sure that he's been selected as a surrogate, but I, I'm, I'm kind of betting that he will be, and that's, of course, uh, Congressman Matt Gates. So we'll see. I'm going to ask him these questions, and I'm going to tell you, the American public has lost their appetite for this nonsense, and they generally don't take it out on the person they perceive of as being the victim. They generally take it out on the people they see as the oppressors. Hey, they love that whole oppressed, a victim. They love that uh, scenario. So now it might come back to haunt them. And if you're reading a lot of these news articles that say, oh no, this is terrible. And, and this is gonna, uh, now we, we know that he has no chance of winning. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me. They have screwed up big time. This is not going to work. I don't care how many articles you read about, ooh, Biden's ahead. <laughs> okay. You know, now, can they cheat their way into a win? I'm not sure they can even do that anymore. But we did see the first dropout, Mayor Suarez. I think he was the last in, first out. Whatever he was hoping to accomplish, he must, have feel, must feel that he has already accomplished. And I have no idea if it's anything other than raising his profile. Let me take a break. I want to take care of a little business here. And then when we come back, I got another subject that I have to get to before we have Matt Gates on the congressman from, from Florida, one of our congressmen. Stay right where you are. And don't forget, download the app, the 850 app, so you can listen on your phone or listen you know, on your computer, wherever you download it. And of course, visit the website, 850wftl.com for all the news on the hurricane and everything else that you need. I'll be right back. It really uh, is disturbing to me. When I get these DOD press releases, I try not to get too excited or too upset about them because I know it's not going to be anything that I agree with or approve of, right? So here's one I got today. Today, the Department of Defense announced additional security assistance to meet Ukraine's critical security and defense needs. This announcement is the Biden administration's 45th tranche of equipment to be provided from the Department of Defense inventories for Ukraine since August of 2021. It includes additional air defense and artillery munitions, mine clearing equipment, medical vehicles, and other equipment to help Ukraine counter Russia's ongoing war of aggression on the battlefield and protect its people. The capabilities in this package valued at up to $250 million. And then it lists all of this equipment. The United States will continue to work with its allies and partners to provide Ukraine with capabilities to meet its immediate battlefield needs and longer-term security assistance requirements. Now, let me ask you a question. Is this money well spent? Because this last time I checked, there's no, uh, there's no beating Russia at this game. The last time I checked, America has 
a burgeoning di- disaster at its southern border, and actually at its uh, borders, period, America has more homeless people living in major cities in this country than most third world countries have. America has people dying of drug overdoses on the streets of these same cities in legendary numbers. And yet, the biggest concern that this administration seems to have is making sure that Ukraine can be propped up a little while longer. Look, my heart breaks for any country that gets invaded, especially by a monster like Vladimir Putin, who will kill anyone. But my heart breaks for Americans who are dying of drug overdoses because we can't control our border and the people coming across the border are being used as mules to come in and set up cartels on this side of the border. This isn't my hypothesis. This is true. We're assimilating people who we have no idea why they're here or what they're going to do once they get here. And so... I look at $250 million leaving the coffers, the taxpayers, us, paying that to provide the Ukraine with more stuff, even though there's no, no sign that they could be ending this battle at any time. How many Ukrainians have to die before we say, well, you know, we tried, but it's not working? And at what point... Do we think about whether or not we have a president who's compromised? We now have a Ukrainian citizens telling news gathering agencies that, well, yeah, they were taking bribes. The Bidens were getting money. So it doesn't really surprise me that they're pouring money into trying to keep everybody else from talking. It's just, it's vile. And the the so-called mainstream media is very eager to cover everything Donald Trump and nothing about this corrupt Biden family and particularly nothing about this funding of a war that apparently they don't care whether or not the Ukrainians have any hope of winning this war. We used to be the kind of country who brokered peace agreements when there was a hopeless disproportionate amount of power on one side. We go in and help countries. We never take property from them. And yet, at some point, we have done nothing but create more death and destruction in the Ukraine than anyone ever could have imagined just 15 months ago. So the 45th, and they like brag about it. This announcement is the Biden administration's 45th tranche of equipment. Now with all that equipment and all those millions, billions of dollars coming out of the American taxpayer, wouldn't you want to see some victory? But you haven't and you won't because this is a hopeless situation and we all know it. I ask uh, Congressman Gates about that as well. So let's see. He's supposed to be calling in in the next segment. Let me take a quick break. And when I come back, we'll have an actual person on the phone who perhaps feels the same way I do about sending all this crazy money in weaponry to the Ukraine and yet resisting sending any military 
down to the border where we are being invaded. We're being invaded. The Ukraine was invaded. Can you tell me who's more important? I'll take a break and I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, we're back and we're trying to get a hold of Representative Matt Gates. He is the congressman from the 1st District here in Florida. And he has been there since 2017. And of course, he's very high profile. I remember, well, if we get him on, I'll talk about some of the other things that are happening. But he had uh, reached out to talk in particular about the uh, amount of migrant workers that Florida has had to absorb, including some unprecedented numbers from Haiti. So we're going to try and get a hold of him. If we do, we'll bring him on. And if we don't, there certainly is plenty to talk about. Uh, I, I saw a really strange, creepy picture, though, of an artificial intelligence rendering of Michael Jackson, if you know, if he was alive 14 years later, and I think it's going to haunt me. You know how there's some things you can never unsee? This was one of them. One of the other things that really, it just goes to prove that sometimes I am prescient, but car dealerships all over the country are telling auto manufacturing companies that they got enough electric vehicles in stock and they don't want any more of them on their lots until they're able to to sell the ones they have now but they keep producing these electric vehicles. And you, what they're asking is for the auto sales companies, the dealerships, to make a huge investment and to not just bring these electric vehicles onto the showroom, into the showroom, but they have to be able to charge them up so that when people come in for a test drive, and let me tell you, a lot of people, just come in for a test drive. They have no intention of buying them. That's why the car dealerships are freaking out. We have uh, Congressman Matt Gates on the line, a representative. I hate using the term congressman because it just, when I think about Congress, I get a stomach ache. How are you, sir? I get the same stomach ache, especially <laughs> when I have to be in Washington around those folks. Uh, thanks for having me, Joyce. Yeah. Uh, I know we're, uh, we're thinking about our fellow Floridians right now who uh, mm -hmm. I've got a bit of a storm barreling down on them, but, uh, you know, uh, we're a pretty resilient state, and uh, I think uh, folks are pretty uh, prepositioned for success. Well, and we also have a governor who's uh, on top of his game, so he had called it a national emergency days ago. So everybody who chooses to be prepared can be prepared, but you're right. We keep them in our prayers and hope that, uh, you know, that everything is much milder than anticipated. I have to tell you, you know, sometimes I have such mixed feelings about you, <laughs> and it's because I love the fact that you're a firebrand and that you never stop talking about important issues. But I, you know, I also think that uh, sometimes you don't see the big picture. And, you know, I wonder um, what, what you think is going on when it comes to all of these migrants coming into the state of Florida, and particularly into districts like yours and mine. What do we do about it? Can we do anything about it? 
Well, uh, it, on the issue of immigration, the big picture that I see being missed is internal enforcement of our immigration laws. If Republicans only talk about what's happening on the border or what's happening in Mexico, then we miss the fact that there are millions of people in our country changing our country, putting strains on our criminal justice system, on our health care system, on our education system, who are not supposed to be here and who did not have permission to be here. And so I've consistently pushed for internal enforcement of our immigration laws when, when we have the opportunity to ask tough questions of the Biden administration officials like Mayorkas, who deserves impeachment over this, and Biden, who deserves impeachment over this, uh, I, I tend to center my questions around internal enforcement and getting people who are here to leave. Yeah, let me ask you, because you, may, you, you know, your office is working on this. We have all of these Haitian migrants who are now landing in Palm Beach County. And, you know, we get a newspaper headline, and then we hear about it, but what is really happening? Because this is a the forgotten um, migrant invasion. I mean, we're all talking about what happens on the southern border, but these poor people coming across on rafts from Haiti, like, are they just disappearing into the interior? No, a lot of them are staying in Florida, and particularly Palm Beach County, Joyce. And uh, I've called this the forgotten invasion because unlike the invasion on the southern border, where people spread out everywhere, there are a few communities in southeast Florida that are getting overburdened by this illegal Haitian migration that is coming out of the Bahamas, that is coming out of Haiti. Uh, I've spent time on Coast Guard flights with Border Patrol dealing with this uh, challenge. And here's what I could tell you. A lot of this human trafficking is just savagery. They told me stories of the, the coyotes holding up little babies, Joyce, and dousing them with gasoline and telling the Coast Guard that if they boarded their vessels, they would light the little babies on fire. Or, mm. or sometimes they, they would have big buckets of screws, nuts and bolts, and as the Coast Guard would approach, they would swallow the screws and then say to the Coast Guard, now you have to take me to your uh, local uh, hospital for my emergency that I have caused on myself. And then those people can claim asylum, whereas if they're intercepted on the water and turned back, we actually can repatriate them to port of prince Haiti. So th that's the type of savagery that we are encountering. This is persistent. I've called upon the Coast Guard, the Border Patrol, uh, to do more to involve the Navy. That's really the next step of how we can protect ourselves against this Haitian, Haitian invasion of southeast Florida. Uh, they do, the Navy does not have the authorities now uh, to engage in assisting the Coast Guard. I think they should, and I'm pressing the Biden administration to do just that. Yeah, good luck with pressing the Biden administration, but I don't have to tell you that. Look, I got a Department of Defense uh, press release today telling me that they just sent another $250 million worth of equipment to the Ukraine. How, ca how come we can't get some of that to protect our own borders? Well, you know, when, when there was the first sequence of votes on this Ukraine war, you had every Republican for it except three. Thomas Massey of Kentucky, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, and myself. And the three of us have consistently been against funding this war in Ukraine. And that's not to say that we want Vladimir Putin to win. Uh, to the contrary, but this has to matter most to the European democracies that play the American taxpayer like fools. They take our money, 
to subsidize their defense. Then they go buy cheap Russian oil, and then they provide these exquisite social welfare services while they look their, no- their nose down, down their nose at, at our fellow Americans who work hard and want to have a culture of achievement. So I, I think that this represents some of the worst impulses of Republicans in Congress who seem to have no limit to what cash, what money they would send. And, Joyce, I've listened to you enough, and I know you're a big fan of our firefighters and our first responders. We have firefighters and first responders in this country who don't know if their pensions are going to be fully funded, right. yet the American taxpayer has already guaranteed fully funding the pensions of every government official in Ukraine. It's sickening. It is sickening. And, you know, if it doesn't implicate Joe Biden, if all of the news that we're getting now, watching him weaponize the Department of, of uh, you know, the Secretary of Defense and all of the rest of them are working together to go after one man. And that one man was the only one who seemed able, first and foremost, to stop some of this nonsense. There was no Russia invasion. There wasn't, you know, China starting to threaten Taiwan. There wasn't Vladimir Putin making a trip to China, even though he's under some kind of warrant for his arrest. What, you know, what part of Donald Trump needs to get back into the White House do people not get? What Trump understood was the value of being a little bit unpredictable in foreign policy. You know, the reason that Donald Trump's presidency, unlike the Obama presidency, unlike the Biden presidency, didn't see a Russian invasion throughout it is because Putin didn't really know how Trump would take that. And that caused him to be more cautious. You know, we saw uh, Trump be very bold and forceful when he saw the pictures of what uh, Assad did to uh, deploy chemical weapons against those children. Trump didn't hesitate. He didn't have a bunch of meetings. He didn't run to the U.N. with his hands ringing. He dropped 68 Tomahawk missiles on the air base that launched those attacks. Mm-hmm. At the same time, President Trump knew that America wasn't going to be the world's uh, block captain and police force. And I think far too many neoconservative uh, Republicans uh, would commit our troops everywhere without really a clear, definable U.S. interest but we certainly do not have a continued U.S. interest in continuing to fund this war in Ukraine. No, we don't. And after watching that, uh, whatever that was, that uh, eight people standing on a stage with the one person that really belonged on the stage, although we all know where he stands on all the issues, you know, the Republican Party has doesn't seem to have any idea of how to win elections anymore. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking to someone who understands what I'm talking about. But like, if you're going to allow the Democrats to run ramshod over the electoral process, here we go again. Now it's COVID, uh, you know, the replay. Uh, they're going to put masks on us and ask us to go in. I got news for you. The, the, we refuse to comply, Representative Gates. You need to go to Washington and tell them he, we here in Florida say, no, we're not going to do this again. Yeah, in, in Florida, we we think that people who did this for extended periods of time uh, were, were somewhat crazy. And I think mm-hmm. that it's part of the Florida man spirit and Florida man energy uh, that we reject those expressions of tyranny, no matter what uh, level of government we see them at, whether it's the president of the United States or the local mayor or local school board. Uh, we're pretty good at rejecting that, as a matter of fact. I think it's part of our identity as a state and often be a part of it. But I, I want to really zero in on the point you made regarding the electoral process, because we have got to start using the tools the Democrats use. Yep. And I want to applaud the efforts of 
Turning Point USA, uh, a, a group of very mobilized young people, and they are going to do the voter registration and the ballot request and the ballot harvesting in states where it is lawful and legal, and they're not going to be too sanctimonious about it. They're, they're going to roll up their sleeves in Wisconsin and Arizona and Georgia and Pennsylvania, uh, and they're really going to help us win the election. I wish the Republican National Committee were doing that. I wish the Republican National Committee cared as much about the, the, the process of voting as they do the pageantry of their own self-congratulations, which, yeah. feels, which, which disappoints a lot of our activists, frankly. Yeah. Well, and that's the problem. You know, we have the people out here. You saw the big hit song that they were talking about by this uh, Oliver character, which is really was the whole theme of Donald Trump's first campaign. There are too many Americans who are being left behind, who are forgotten, who can't pay grocery bills, who now can't buy a house because the mortgage rates are up and nobody really talks to them or helps them except, you know, an occasional governor like we have. So, you know, how does Congress get that message? I mean, I, I know you're a champion for our rights, but like the most of the time what I see people talking about up there is irrelevant to me. I don't care about, you know, what pronouns you use and the military is now doing studies on gender dysphoria. What is that? Well, I could tell you why the interests of the American people are most frequently subjugated, and it's because of the money. I mean, you know, there, there are billions of dollars in the political system that exist to buy off representatives with political action committees and lobbyists. And I am the only Republican in the entire Congress who takes no lobbyist money and no PAC money. So when I disagree with folks, the one thing you can know is that it is a sincere disagreement. It is not because of some special interest or some donor relationship. And too often, people are trying to please the folks who fund their campaigns. And that means uh, insurance companies get more profitable. That means that big pharma has hours that we never would have bestowed to them in a just society. Um, and it, it means that defense contractors get their way a lot of time. Uh, and the survivability and capability and lethality of our force uh, isn't what's most important. So that's what I've observed. I've tried to be an example uh, by not taking that money. And um, I'm still working to get other people to follow me. I can't say that part's been a great success, but uh, it certainly feels better to look those people in the eye who are trying to put their agenda over yours and tell them that their money is no good with me. Good for you. Hey, listen, Representative Gates, I want you to do me one favor. I want you to tell uh, the majority leader, Steve Scalise, that he has our prayers, because I know he announced today that he's got multiple uh, myeloma. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's one of the good guys. There aren't a whole lot of you up there that I'll even talk to anymore. But he is one of the well, good he, guys. He is. No, he is. And, I mean, folks will remember when he was shot by yeah. a crazed Bernie Sanders supporter. So this guy's literally taken a bullet for the institution and his constituents and his beliefs. You, you are right to count him among our most honorable and, and, and cherished colleagues. Uh, and and I will I will personally pass along uh, the well wishes of of you and your listeners. Thank you so much. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, Representative Gates, and fight back. Like uh, you know, we need some champions up there. We feel abandoned, and we feel demoralized, and that's not a good state for the people of Florida or anywhere in this country. Thanks for coming on today. I agree. Let's keep fighting. Thanks, Joyce. All right. All right. Let me take a quick time out here, and then uh, we'll come back and wrap up this show. It's gone fast this hour. Oh, my goodness. But you know what? 
it's a beautiful thing that I get this time to spend with you and to talk about these things that nobody wants to talk about. You know, they want to talk about Donald Trump and uh, Donald Trump. And I love Donald Trump, but it's only so much Donald Trump talking you can do. Let me take a quick break. We'll be right back. So, you know, facts actually matter. And the fact that Jack Smith, the special counsel within the DOJ, who is leading the charge in two of the cases against Donald Trump, the January 6th case and the classified documents case. But I have a question, and everybody out there should have this question. Since these indictments started to roll in, I've been very suspicious of any interaction between the prosecutors and the White House and the Biden administration. Because if the White House in any way, shape, or form has been involved in the prosecutions against President Trump, I know they keep denying it, but now we have a report that pokes a hole in that narrative. This report was first published by the New York Post, and it revealed the fact that just a few weeks before they brought charges against President Trump, one of Mr. Smith's top aides had a meeting with the White House counsel's office. These facts matter. You know, I look at timelines and I look at the, the idea that denying things doesn't mean they didn't happen, especially in Washington, especially with politics. Now, all of a sudden, I'm listening to all of this. It's more than chatter. Oh, by the way, I should let everybody know, the buttons came in. The first batch of buttons came in, and they're huge. I missed ordered, and now you're getting this like very big button. But that's okay. I'm sure nobody's going to complain. There'll be no missing what it says. The next batch of buttons that I ordered already that will be for the people who are still asking for them are back to being small. So what can I tell you? You know, I, I was in a big hurry the first time. And so I clicked on the button for the size of the button. And it actually looks great. It actually is awesome when you think about it. And you'll see it because envelopes are addressed. I just got to put them in the envelopes and put the stamps on the envelopes and away they go. I would probably need more stamps. I think I have enough. Now that I've got these heavier buttons. Oh, my goodness. But you, we must refuse to comply. I'm listening right now. I just noticed that the CDC removed all of the information about vaccine adverse events, right? People who ended up having negative reactions to the COVID vaccine. All of a sudden, it's gone from the CDC website. Hmm. Don't want you thinking about that when the president is about to mandate that people get this booster. We must refuse to comply. I'm telling you right now, I'm not getting any jabs. I'm not wearing any masks. I'm not sheltering in place. I'm not shutting down the church. None of that stuff. Not that I did much of it the first time, but I'm doing none of it this time. If a, if a business doesn't want to allow me in, without a mask, then I'm not going in. That's all. The only place I will wear a mask is in a doctor's office if they mandate that because they have whatever reasons for doing it. They just don't want you spreading any kind of germs there. Other than that, if they tell me I have to put on a mask, I'm out of there. And if, if 
you know, anybody out there is working in a field where they're going to tell you, you must have a mask or you can't have your job, fight back. We must refuse to comply. They now think they can make us do anything they want us to do. And it's a short leap from wearing a mask and getting a vaccine to being totally subjugated by a government that could care less about what's in your best interest because these vaccines or whatever they call them, this mRNA stuff, we don't even know what it's going to do long-term. And we are starting to see some of those adverse events. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Now may God bless you. And may God bless our sisters and brothers on the other side of Florida and keep them safe. And may God bless the USA. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.